Shall we open our service in prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank Thee for another day. We thank Thee thee for another Sunday and another day when we can gather around Thy Word and learn of Thee, learn of Thy Son, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We ask that as we gather and as we look into the Word and contemplate things and hear our brother speak, that this word would be open to us, that our hearts could be opened to to that word also, and that we could garner things that are, are useful as, as we go through from one day to the next. We, we ask that thou wouldst be with all those that gather, all those that <clears throat> spend time to Set aside the cares and, and troubles and trials of this life 
and gather around thy word. Gather around that only, only and most stable thing that this world has to offer. And not actually this world doesn't offer it, but it comes from thy hand. Watch over all the nations across the earth. Watch over all those leaders, elected leaders, or whatever they may be. Give them that understanding that this is in order from above. And that, as the word teaches us, that heaven is thy throne and this earth is thy footstool. All all things are in the hands of Jesus. So hear us now as we pray together that prayer thy son Jesus taught us. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I asked Shane if he was going to say a few words about Remembrance Day. And he he said he didn't plan on it, but asked him if it would be okay if I did. So I was talking to, actually we went to to the memorial service the town of Rocky put on, and it was it was some over two hours, and a very very well done, and a reverent time, and it's good to see that I don't know how many people might have been there, over 500, I'm sure in the community center there in Rocky. And we know that in this time, it seems to me anyways, that many governments across the world are taking away freedoms of the people. And I I think, and I hope it isn't just my opinion, but I believe that when people turn away from God, that's the way it's going to go. They go to turn toward socialism and totalitarianism and that kind of leadership. And we know that out of the, I don't know, is it over a million people that lost their lives in the in the first and second world wars, probably. And they fought for the freedoms that we enjoy. This freedom that we have right here we can gather in the name of Jesus so in our in our little paper there was a write up about John McRae who wrote who wrote this poem and I I was I I call my grandchildren in the in the states and and, uh, so I'm I'm talking to somebody quite often there and it was Philip's birthday he turned 16 and had a good visit with him and, and I asked him if he's ever heard because we had been to that service that day and I asked him if he's ever heard this poem in, Flan- in Flanders Field and he hadn't and I don't know if, if the Americans don't value it like we do but I know all over the world people use this and uh, teach this poem 
But this little write-up was in the, in the Western Star. It says, John McRae was a poet and physician from Guelph, Ontario. He, de- he developed an interest in poetry at a young age and wrote throughout his life. His earliest works were published in the mid-1890s in Canadian magazines and newspapers. McRae's poetry often fo- focused on death and the peace that followed. At the age of 41, McRae enrolled with a Canadian expeditionary force followed, following the outcome outbreak of the First World War. He had the option of joining the medical corps because of his training and age, but he volunteered instead to join a fighting unit as a gunner and a medical officer. It was his second tour of duty in the Canadian military. He had previously fought with a volunteer force in the Second Boer War. He considered himself a soldier first. His father was a military leader in Guelph, and McRae grew up believing in the duty of fighting for his country and empire. McRae fought in the Second Battle of Ypres in the Flanders region of Belgium, where the German army launched one of the first chemical attacks in the history of the war. They attacked the Canadian position with chlorine gas on April 22, 1915, but were unable to break through the Canadian line, which held for over two weeks. In a letter written to his mother, McRae described the battle as a nightmare. For 17 days and 17 nights, none of us have had our clothes off, nor our, boot, nor our boots even, except occasionally. In all that time, while I was awake, gunfire and rifle fire never ceased for 60 seconds. And behind it was all the constant background of the sights of the dead, the wounded, the maimed, and a terrible anxiety lest the line should give away. Alexis Helmer, a close friend, was killed during the battle on May 2nd. McRae performed the burial himself, at which time he noted how poppies quickly grew around the graves of those that died at a press. The next day he composed a poem while sitting in the back of an ambulance at an advanced dressing station outside the press. This location is today is today known as the John McRae Memorial Site. And then the poem goes, and I'm, I'm sure we all know it. <coughs> uh, I believe he lost his life not on the battlefield, but from wounds he received on the battlefield some weeks, a few weeks later, I think it was. In Flanders fields, the poppies blow between the crosses row on row that mark our place, and in the sky, the larks, still bravely singing, fly, scarce heard beneath the guns, (coughs) excuse me, scarce heard amid the guns below. We are the dead. Short days ago, we lived, felt dawn, saw sunset glow, loved, and were loved. And now we lie in Flanders fields. Excuse me. Take up our quarrel with the foe. To you from failing hands we throw the torch. Be yours to hold it high. If ye break faith with us who die, we shall not sleep. Though poppies grow in Flanders fields. Let's have let's have two minutes of silence for and remembrance.
So I looked it up this morning because I, I didn't know exactly where Flanders was, but there, there's an East Flanders and a West Flanders, and they're along the French-Belgian border on the Belgium side. And there was lots of fighting in those areas in the wars. Someone have a song to continue? Two thirteen.
May we be greeted this morning with greetings of grace and mercy and peace from God our Heavenly Father, through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. For a text this morning, I'll turn to 2 Timothy, to the third chapter. I'll read the whole chapter. It's a little bit of a longer text. We'll look into it as God reveals. Reading in Jesus' name. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truth-breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heedy, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women, laden with sins, led away with diverse lusts, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as Janais and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith. But they shall proceed no further, for their folly shall be manifest unto all men, as theirs was also was. But thou hast known, hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, afflictions, which come unto me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, for out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned, and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Amen. As George has already mentioned, I would still covet your prayers, that it could be the Spirit that would open this. It's a portion of Scripture that I think as Christians, especially the first several verses, we can look around us at the world and see that these things appear to be happening very clearly. It is prophesied here that it will happen. We understand that Paul wrote these to Timothy very I guess if I say almost 2,000 years ago. And I think there has been times throughout history where these things have been happened. 
and it's hard for me to know whether it's just being more aware of things or how it actually is that these things seem to be getting worse. We live in a day and time, I've mentioned it before, it's a, a difficult thing because we have lived in such peace and freedom and richness as I don't know that it's ever been throughout history. We have been very fortunate. And yet, human nature is a funny thing. And in the times when things are good, it is easy for all people, even for believers, to, if I say, lose the sense of importance of turning to God. It's easy to start feeling like we can do these things and handle stuff on our own. And I don't believe that there is anything that is more perilous than when things are good. Yes, when times are bad, we've read and perhaps to a tiny degree We've experienced some form of persecution, but it's really nothing compared to what has happened throughout history or even that is happening in certain countries around the world today. And the thing that is beyond my natural reasoning is that during those times, it seems that faith grows. And people turn to God even when it is perhaps harmful or if we say detrimental to our natural life it seems to be that there becomes an importance of looking to those matters that are beyond this life and matters of this world become secondary When there is not persecution, when things are good, it is easy, it appears to become complacent. It's easy to turn away from God. We can read the parable of the ten virgins. It speaks of the five wise and the five foolish. It says they all slumbered and slept. We would... Be encouraged, Christ himself encouraged us that we would not sleep, that we would be attentive, and that when the master comes, that he would find us awake. And yet it appears that at times it is difficult. And I believe that this is one of the things that would make it that it is perilous times, because man turns and looks to man. We look, People look to themselves to take care of things, their own reasoning. It says, men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce despisers of those that are good, 
traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. We see that very much going on in the world around us. There's instruction that we should, that self is the most important thing to take care of. It's what goes on in the world. We are constantly bombarded with advertising that you need this, you need that, you need something more. We are encouraged to want. And we could look into all these things and find that they are going on. And I believe that it turns our mind to, and I think probably rightfully so, thinking we are in the end of time. And as Christians, it is something that I believe we should look forward to, the second coming of Christ. And we may see it in our lifetimes, or we may not. And it doesn't really matter whether we do or don't. What is important is does the Spirit of God dwell within your heart? There is, here it tells about these people, and we could look at this, maybe I should say this, we could look at these things and say, yeah, well, we see all that stuff going on in the world, in the ungodly world that's around us, and there's these people who have no time for God, or even perhaps mock God, claim that they have no belief that there is any God, and there is a lot of teachings within this world that at this time give no credence to any God, whether it be the living God or some idol, that there's just life and when you die that's the end of it. And it seems kind of pointless. And I struggle to understand. I have a magazine that tells about, if you say nature, and how intricate lots of nature works. And reading those things and, and how even on a cellular level in a human body, how it works. And how it can outperform even computers that we understand are so such an amazing thing. And you read those things, or I read those things, and I find that it seems in my mind that it takes more faith to believe that there isn't a God than that there is. That this stuff just happens. But then we read this fifth verse here. And it brings it a little closer to home, and it makes it that we, I think, need to be careful. It says that these people have a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. And it gives a warning. It says, from such, turn away. It isn't that many of these people have no interest in God. They claim, and they make some claim, 
of godliness. And yet, they deny the power that there is in God. And by, by say, extension, as Christians, we, I hope, believe and understand that we are, maybe the simplest in my mind is to say we are ambassadors of God. We are his representatives here in this world. And we look at ourselves and we recognize as Christians that we are still sinful beings. We walk around with this human nature on a daily basis that is as close as we live with it, we live in it. The Bible tells us that this human flesh, it doesn't repent, and that it must die daily. And yet, oftentimes, it seems very much alive and wanting to run things. Yet, in spite of that, as Christians, we have that blessing of the Spirit of God dwelling within this human flesh to lead us and guide us. And yes, we face things in life the same as everyone else. Maybe I shouldn't say quite like that, because I believe many times we are blessed, and it speaks in places of God putting a hedge around us. (coughs) We read even of Job, and the devil comes and God says, if you considered my servant Job, and the devil says, well, yeah, but you put such a hedge around him that, of course, he's going to um, love you and honor you because you've completely protected him. And we know from reading the story that God allowed the devil to go over that hedge. He still put parameters on what he was allowed to do. But he allowed him to trouble Job. And we see we have problems. We have illnesses. Whatever. And sometimes for myself I can get discouraged and think that we have so many problems even as Christians. And I have to stop and and consider. Yes, perhaps we do. But what a blessing to understand that in spite of those problems, we don't have to just deal with them on our own. We can turn to God and trust that the Spirit can lead and guide us, and it dwells right within us. And we are encouraged to pray and to be attentive to the leading and guiding of that still, small voice. And it is an amazing privilege in reality. And we are encouraged, as I mentioned, as the ambassadors of God, to know and be sure that we have the full authority to proclaim what God has instructed us to proclaim. We have the full authority of God to make those statements and to make those claims and to make those judgments 
according to the word of God. We have no leeway to go out on our own or in our own ideas or in our own thinking. But we have full authority according to what God says. And there is power there. And we are encouraged, even here in this chapter, it tells us that all Scripture, we are to use this Word of God. And we are to look at all of it. We aren't to take bits and pieces and and leave other parts out. Yes, we understand that there has been a change of covenant from the Old Testament to the New. It went from waiting for Christ to Christ has came. Our salvation isn't something that we're looking forward to happening in the future. It has happened. Christ came. He paid for us. He paid for our sin, that they could be forgiven, that we could have his righteousness and walk as a child of God. And be sure of what is going to happen when we pass from this life, or if Christ was to come again. That we are a child of God. And we are encouraged to share that, and we say it very simply and sometimes Well, I was speaking with someone the other day and they were talking about words that we use. And sometimes it's easy to use them and the meaning of them, maybe everyone doesn't understand. And I think it is good at times to maybe look into some of those things. We're encouraged, very simply put, to share the gospel message. But in some senses, we could take this whole Bible and say, well, that begins to cover the gospel message if the Spirit opens it and reveals it. And we speak of the gospel message that Christ came. And it is true. We are coming to that time of year when we celebrate His coming as a little baby and the message that the angels brought of good tidings and peace on earth. And we read those things, and I pray that all of us, (coughs) excuse me, as Christians understand, there's people who read that and say, well, there's, that's nonsense. There's been no peace on earth at all, hardly since that time. But as Christians, we understand. It speaks of that peace of a good conscience. That peace in the heart. That peace of understanding that through Christ we are right with God. Our sins can be forgiven because of what that little baby accomplished. And it is that that brings peace. And it doesn't matter what is going on in the world around us. There can still be that peace. And we have that authority and commission and power to proclaim those things to be true. 
and we can assure people to believe them because they are true and that we've experienced them for ourselves and know that it is truth. And it isn't just some theory. And that we walk a life of doing good things. And that we are encouraged to be good people and maybe it will add up to salvation. Or that God will look favorably on us. There's nothing wrong with doing good things. But it is not what saves us. What Christ has done is what saves us. And I think if we're honest with ourselves and look at how we fail, we can be very thankful that it isn't in our having to do. It is simply putting our faith in what Christ has done. And if someone is not with authority speaking the truth of what Christ has done and what that means for us, each of us individually, it tells us here that we are from such turn away. It says, For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women, laden with sins, led away with diverse lusts. And I'm not, I have to admit, I don't understand here why it focuses on women. But it is easy, because if we are not turning to Christ for forgiveness when we fail, if we are trying to do something on our own or something to merit It, it's, it's as sinful and wrong as the worst sin that we can fall into. And it is, comes down to unbelief that Christ has done enough. And it doesn't matter what we have fallen into or how we have sinned, whether it is great and grievous in the view of our human reasoning, or if it's some little thing. It is what Christ has done that covers it. And we are to put our faith in that. It says, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. There is lots of teachings in this world. And there seems to be more and more of them There's one place in Revelations that it speaks of the devil casting a flood of water out of his mouth to um, wash away, and if we look at it simply, wash away the church. And I believe that it is speaking that there will be teachings that are almost overwhelming volume in this world. But we can see, if we would read that, it says the earth swallowed it up. God will take care of us. And it isn't that we shouldn't 
be concerned about those things. We should be aware of them. I know of a couple people who they went to uh, it was different Bible schools if you say and there was classes on demonology and they were studying how demons work and, and how to deal with them and all these things and maybe I'm wrong but I have to admit I struggle with that kind of stuff I don't think there's any end to our ability if we start looking into it to study how the devil and how he works to be deceptive and try to deceive human beings. But, I agree with someone and they spoke and they used this example and to me it's a good one. They said that when they take people and teach them to look for counterfeit money, they don't take and show them all the different types of counterfeiting and what people do to try and mimic the real thing. They take and teach them about the real thing so that they know it so extremely well and every little detail of it that it's easy to see very quickly something that isn't real or isn't the true currency. I think as Christians... That is perhaps the greatest reason that I would encourage us to look into the Word of God. To study it, to know it. It doesn't make us better Christians. But the better we know the Word of God, especially if we are able to look into it prayerfully and that the Spirit would reveal it to us, that we would know it intimately so that if the devil comes with anything that's even slightly off, we would very quickly pick up on it. That it would answer as untrue. It's the amazing thing about truth. If we have truth and add just a little bit of untruth to a large volume of truth, it still becomes untrue. And it is perhaps the most dangerous thing that we deal with is when there is teachings that are pretty close to what is true, but just off. And if we don't really know what the Word of God says, how would we know? And it is something that there is a lot of teachings out there that they take a little bit of the truth of God's word and add some of man's reasoning and perhaps take away a little bit here and there and come up with something that sounds pretty good and it sits pretty well with our natural reasoning and it's taught as truth. But it's not. And I think it is good to look into God's word. If we have questions, don't Try to reason it out on our own. See what God says. See what his word would encourage. And that the one church, it spoke that they were very diligently to take all the teachings and and compare them to what the word of God says. It is a good thing to do. 
and I believe it is a very good reason that we would have to look into God's Word constantly, that we could be sure of what we are standing on and what we believe in, because it is according to the Word of God. It says, Now as John A's and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith. I didn't know who these two men were. They were some of the priests that stood before Pharaoh when Moses came. And it is amazing how many of the miracles, if I put it that way, or whatever you want to call it, that Moses was able to do, that these men were able to do also. It tells that Moses threw down his staff and it became a serpent and they were able to throw theirs down and they became serpents also. And Moses ate up theirs, but they were able to take the staff and it turned into a snake when they threw it on the ground. It isn't that there isn't power there. And they were able to withstand Moses. It says that in this last time, it's still talking about that, that there will be those. And it tells us in one place that they will be able to call fire down from heaven and do great miracles. I think it's easy because it appeals to human nature to see powerful miracles and these kind of things. And we know that Jesus came in and did some Amazing miracles. People could see. People come back from the dead. But he doesn't point us to those things. He points us to faith. And that still small voice that would speak to our hearts. It says they are reprobate concerning the faith. says that they resist the truth. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. They resist Christ. They come up with something that man is to do. And there is constantly new teachings of what is good to do and how we should do this and how we would draw people and all these things. But faith is left out. True faith is left out. We are to put our faith in our ability to do things, or our ability to be part of the church, or whatever it is. In James it speaks that there is dead faith. And it is faith that is in anything besides what Christ has done. That is what we are to put our faith in. It says, But they shall proceed no further, for their folly shall be manifest unto all men, as theirs was also. There was a certain point that God, they did not have power to do what Moses did. And I have read it, and I believe that when they turned dust into life, and I don't understand why it was at that point. It is something that is beyond me. God 
he does put limits on the devil and his power. But he is very free with it also. I'm speaking of the devil. And I think it is what appeals to human nature because we want to feel like we are something important. It's quite contrary to human nature to want to be humble. To want to put others first. It's completely the opposite to what our human nature is. Then Paul here, he speaks, he said, But thou hast known, hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer, shall suffer persecution. It doesn't sound like something that is appealing to my human nature. Paul, he lists off these places where he's went and he was persecuted in all of them. And we can read in various places, even in the book of Acts, and it speaks about Paul and of Peter and John and and different ones. And we can read Fox's book of Barters. There was persecution to the believers. And it doesn't say that it's going to go away. If we live godly in Christ... We shall suffer persecution. It doesn't say that maybe we will. But I think we also need to be careful to remember. Because we as people, we can get our own ideas. And I I believe I've even spoke of people that I've seen. And I think that they use this word of God provocatively to cause persecution to try and make it feel like well we must be godly because we're being persecuted we don't have to try and provoke people if we live here it says godly in Christ persecution will come because people don't like it they don't like what Christ stands for it's an amazing thing. He comes and is, encourages people to believe in him and they will be saved, to walk doing good to others, and it upsets human nature, makes people unhappy. Unless the Spirit of God works in the heart. And we don't have the ability to make someone believe. But we have the authority and the commission and the encouragement to share the message. And we trust that the Spirit of God can work in hearts. It has worked in ours. It says, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. It's perhaps, I don't know, and each of us, I believe, has to look at it 
and listen to how the Spirit would guide us. But it tells us that these things are going to get worse and worse. And if we're trying to fight those things, are we trying to fight against God? God says this is going to happen and we're trying to stop it from happening. Are we fighting against God? I think we need to be careful. We're to share the gospel message and trust that God is in charge of these things. And he tells us that it will be worse and worse. It says, but continue in those things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. We understand here that Paul is speaking to Timothy and history would tell us that Timothy was a childhood Christian. From a a child, even as it says here, he was taught those matters of faith. And many of us here have had that privilege. We are to continue in that faith. Continue in what we have been taught, what the Bible has taught, what our parents have taught us. And as parents or grandparents or even older people, let us make that a priority to make sure those little ones hear the word of God. They hear that truth about what Christ has done for them. And that we would teach them put simply that gospel message and that we would live in such a way that they would be encouraged to believe it. I already read these last two verses. It says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. There it is telling us that this scripture, it is important. It has a multitude of uses. It can encourage us. It can reprove us. It can instruct us. It can encourage us in righteousness. It can bring warning. We can look to it. We can trust in it. So that the man of God may be perfect. Is it that we find that we walk perfectly all of a sudden when we become a Christian? No. But the Spirit of God will dwell even in this sinful flesh. And it is perfect and it is ours. And God looks on us as perfect and righteous and holy. Because he looks on us through Christ. And let us encourage others to turn to Christ. To believe that the sin that they are is covered in the name and the blood of Christ. Not because we can walk good or because we are such good people. But because Christ is our all in all. Let us trust that. Let us believe that. 
Let us walk with the assurance that it is so. For us, each of us individually, and for anyone around us that will hear. In Jesus' name, Amen. Someone have a song we can continue with? One
that Apostles Creed in which we do believe. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven, and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let us pray with and for them who will now partake of the Lord's Holy Supper. Lord Jesus Christ, thou bread of life, grant that thy holy communion may be a blessing to all those who today shall partake of it, that through the power of thy body and blood they may receive peace and comfort to their souls, and be strengthened in faith, love, and a lively hope of eternal life. Amen. Truly it is meet, right, and blessed that we should at all times and in all places give thanks unto thee, Holy Lord, Almighty Father, everlasting God, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take eat, this is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup. When he had supped and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which is and which was and which is to come, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Let us all praise our Lord Jesus Christ, taught us, saying, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you. Jesus Christ, broken for you. The true body of our Lord Jesus Christ, broken for you. 
the true body of our Lord Jesus Christ, broken for you. The true body of our Lord Jesus Christ, broken for you. May the body and the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ preserve your souls and bodies and souls unto eternal life. Amen. Praise the Lord for his gracious gift of which you have partaken, and proclaim his suffering, his death, and his glorious resurrection until he cometh again. Arise and depart in the peace of the Lord. Yeah, yeah. 138. 